Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Do 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 do. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast, Coffee Time Wednesdays. We're excited to be back. Guys, we've been busy. We've been busy. I went on vacation in the middle of harvest season. We got a lot of people picking up seed next week, so we're sorry. We're cleaning seed, too. Yeah, we're cleaning seed. Clayton's been helping us. Kent's been basically keeping things organized, and I've been taking phone call after phone call after phone call, and a lot of emails. That's good. We like those phone calls. You keep calling. You, you ask want, us any questions. You need seed. You know where to go. Man. But we've got some interesting topics, both brought to us by our good friend Luke Fritch. So yeah. we're sponsoring him today. If you need um, life advice, I don't think Luke sells anything. <laughs> or if, you buy, if you're buying a seed over in, in uh, Illinois. Yeah, West Central Illinois. Yep. You grab some from Luke Fritch. He's a good guy. Him and Judd, they're our yep. reps out in Illinois. Yep. We like you guys. But he sent us some very thought-provoking ones. I'm going to go first. No, you go first. Mine's more like the the like black and white. You said I should go first? No, I'll go first. You go, okay, you yours said is, you go first. Mine's like you know government stuff. All it's, right. like, it's like reading the black and white pages of the newspaper. Complain to me about the government, Kent. Remember, you remember when Sunday newspaper was like a big deal because it had all the color pictures? Like no, all the, all Kent. The, I do all, not remember the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, newspapers were so cool. It's kind of a shame that that uh, they've fallen out of vogue. But I got to think when the boomers are gone, newspapers will probably be gone. Uh, maybe, yeah. But also, there's kind of like an anti-digital revolution. That's true. Think yeah. about the percentage of kids have glasses these days versus how many used to have glasses. Whoa, it's it's wild. It. It was like 11% or something in 2000, and it's up to like 32%. It, I, Did you just read an article on this or something? No, my older sister was telling me about what she had read about it. So oh. don't quote those numbers exactly, but she said it was a huge jump. That's and it makes sense. Like, I didn't get glasses till I was in college. My sister didn't get glasses till she was in college. Same with my brother and uh, both of my younger sisters, who have basically done school on computers, got glasses in the when they were in middle school Mm. and maybe like freshmen in high school, but quite a bit earlier than us. And neither of their parents had glasses till they were older, you know? Yeah. So, I mean like both their parents got glasses in like their forties or fifties. Well, Nick just made fun of me for being old and guess who doesn't have glasses and guess who does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mine are, they're, they're ingrained in my genes somewhere (laughs) way back when. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Fritch sent, Nick and me, a couple of great articles. This one was kind of like the encouraging, you know, rah, rah, rah type article where, hey, CRP is doing something. And um, it was, so I'll just read you the title because that kind of just sums it up. Um, It's put out by the USDA. So the govdelivery.com. Wow. But this is, this is a article by USDA. And they're basically just kind of flexing their muscles like, hey, we're doing stuff type thing. The title of the article is, Nick will like this because it's very SEO friendly. USDA's Conservation Reserve Program pays more than $1.77 billion uh, to America's producers in support of conservation and climate smart agriculture. And uh, I mean, the title kind of speaks for itself. Like that's a lot of money that our our country 
has has decided this is a worthy cause. We're going to put just shy of $2 billion towards having, you know, incentivizing landowners to use good practice for what they're, for what the cover of their acres are. Yeah. Even if nobody in the public ever gets to access those acres for any purpose, it's still good enough to us from a sense of, of, air soil and water quality that we want to give tax dollars to these people to um not just till those acres and um you know it's it's an example of where our government uses a carrot instead of a stick to get something that benefits the whole country Mm -hmm. you know of course those benefits start at a local level and build out but you know to see this, you know, and, and USDA, of course, this is a federal program. CRP is a federal program. It's managed, you know, through each state, right? Each state has a director of, of the CRP program. Yeah. Our, our uh, friend who's been on the podcast, Matt Allen, is, is uh, the guy here in Iowa. But um, the, the uh, think of like the we've talked about so many times all the sedimentation that's gone on down in the Gulf of Mexico. And, um, obviously that's not good. Like that's still a problem, but think of how much worse that problem would be if it yep. wasn't for CRP. We didn't have CRP. Yeah. You know, Chris Jones thinks that we should make it mandatory to put, uh, um, prairie around, uh, streams. Mm-hmm. Cause I guess Minnesota, it, it's mandatory, uh, for farming, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, well, and yeah, I mean, that's the other part of the conversation. And that'll be when the water series comes out, like people will get to hear Chris's voice. And and he has a really unique perspective on the whole the whole ordeal. Yeah. But um, he he believes that maybe we need some stick motivation and not just carrot yeah. motivation. And because I think his point was like carrots been around long enough and we ain't taking it uh yeah yeah or at least not taking it enough yeah you know but that being said you know the the point of this article is like i said it's a rah 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 you know let you know go team where there's a lot of good that's come from crp and there's a lot to be celebrated by it and a, a breakdown of of the top five states for receiving these payments um probably aren't gonna surprise anyone other than i will say uh it's interesting that indiana is not doesn't make the top five. Um, so the top five no CRP. Yeah. So, well, you know what? You always do this to me. You guess, think? you guess the, the, the top five. Um, don't, I'm going to guess five and then you can tell me after if any of them are right. Okay. So don't tell me yes or no right away. Iowa, Missouri, Oklahoma, like Colorado or Wyoming area maybe and texas you got two right okay you got iowa and missouri right or did you guess illinois as well no okay so the top five go in this order and what is this metric like per acre cr uh for crp participant payments so who's received the most crp money oh 
So Iowa's in at number one in a commanding lead, $402 million. Um, and, you know, some change. And then Illinois is a rather distant second. Illinois is at $172 Whoa. million. Minnesota is number three. One hundred and fifty million. You know, I didn't guess Minnesota because so much. So there's so much more government land there, and I know there are some big oh, old farms. Yeah, that's a good way but I was like, there's it. so many parks, so many lakes. I figured it would have. Well, one thing we noticed, you know, it's it's actually surprising to me that Minnesota is that far behind Iowa, because when we were at Pheasant Fest, there were so many people up there that had CRP that came and talked to us. Now, obviously, there's a big filter there. Like, if you're hanging out at yeah. Pheasant Fest, you probably care about pheasant habitat. But, but uh, Or even the amount of people that cared about just pollinators Just the general mindset. Yeah. Like, people were so educated. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they, Yeah, tons of people interested in backyard pollinator. One guy so interested, he walked off with a pack <laughs> without paying <laughs> yeah. for the seed. <laughs> Anyways, get still bitter about that. Yeah. I totally forgot. The guy about like that. some boomer just finessed us. I mean, he, <laughs> he just like swiped it. I don't want to know. finessed my boomers, dude. <laughs> but uh, so then uh, Minnesota at one hundred and fifty million. This one really, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, when you really think about it. But it surprises me that it's over like Indiana at least, or. Uh, you know, like you said, Oklahoma, I could see being in front of, but South Dakota, um, South Dakota has a lot of CRP payments and yeah. it, it is a big ag state, but yep. Um, and then, uh, last but not least on the top five is Missouri. So South Dakota's at one twenty nine. South Dakota actually surprises me. I, I, that I wouldn't have guessed. It seems like there were South Dakota reminds me so much of Nebraska where it's like, there's a ton of ag, but there's also a lot of just like wide open space that people don't really yeah. do anything to the ground. Or yeah, like people it. own this technically, but it's not that useful. They like graze it. Yeah, yeah, that's like man, Western Texas is like yeah, you can you can buy a thousand acres for a thousand dollars, but what are you gonna do with that thousand acres? Nothing. Yeah. It's just rocks. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty interesting, and, and Missouri's just shy of a hundred million dollars at at ninety nine point eight million, but um. You know, it's kind of interesting. I have a friend who uh, lives in Indiana, and he's just starting to get into deer hunting over the last three or four years. And and so uh, we do a lot of talking about that, and I try and help him find good places to go. We, like, look at uh, uh, Spartan Forge, uh, you know, e-scouting, mapping stuff, and we, we um, you know, talk about, hey, maybe you should go knock on this guy's property. But what's interesting is when I look – at the aerial mapping of Indiana, like we think we have poor amounts of habitat here in Iowa. It's a whole new level in Indiana. Really? Like there's, I mean, I, I had just had a conversation with him on Saturday. I was like, you might need to go drive an hour to like another part of the state to find something because, you know, like we, and I've been out there, you know, with him, like we tried to go shed hunting this last spring we knocked on a few doors of like the the only places that you could really see some good habitat, and and this isn't the whole state, but definitely in his area. And so it's interesting that maybe did they the, say yes or were they like nah get out? Uh, of here. One guy did. Uh, so, but it was still just like just tiny, tiny little strips of of anything other than 
yeah ag ground you know that's crazy to me so I indiana wonder if you're listening step up your crp game i wonder if it's more ag because it got developed sooner way sooner because that's there wasn't true, the yeah. giant barrier of the mississippi river yeah so true. when you get across the mississippi river it happened more recently so like your grandpa remembers prairie but i bet nobody's connected to prairie over in indiana yeah that's good if you point. watch parks and rec they just you know <laughs> eat too much so favorite character from parks and rec favorite character like do i think the funniest i like ron swanson like just as a principal he's just a funny guy but the guy who probably made me laugh tom the most Haverford. no dude not tom <laughs> dj roomba no oh my goodness probably April, nick was basically tom's relationship nick, nick was basically tom haverford in college oh my goodness oh dude <laughs> Tom Haverford. Just if you haven't seen the show, he's just like the sleaziest guy. Oh, he's like lovable because they make he does him say like, some of the funniest stuff. Though they they make him so insecure and like desperate for status and money. That but then you know every once in a while the curtain gets pulled back and you see on the inside he's like a loving guy. But he's just like unbearable most of the time. Just yeah, Ron so Swanson's definitely the best. Oh man. Well, you 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 carry us away here, Nick. Talk about this interesting thing. You took all my time. We're at like 14 minutes. That's right. We didn't have a coffee time. We here. did last week. Oh, yeah. But the week before we didn't. And we didn't have an episode on Friday. So that's fair. We got to make up for it. Got to make up for it. All right. So there's a farmer. I don't know where he's at. Was he in Illinois? Ken and I both read this. Yes. I believe so. Indiana. Williamsport. Oh, Indiana. No. We're just going to call this episode. No, wait. Indiana. No, no, no. Yeah, he's in Indiana. Yeah, he's in Indiana. IND. Yep. IND stands for Indiana. Usually it's IN, I think. You know, there yeah, used to be, there, like when I was in fifth grade, they stopped using three letter abbreviations for, I don't know if every state had a three letter abbreviation, but Illinois definitely did. It used to be, now it's just IL. It used to be ILL. Wild. And then it's like this big deal. Oh, no. Now it's just IL. Yeah. Like, who cares? Well, it's a, more of an issue for Alabama and Alaska because, man, like, what do you do there? <laughs> like, we'll just take the K and we'll we'll vote on it. See who see who gets more votes. Oh, Alaska only has a hundred thousand people living there. I guess they lost. <laughs> so, all right, all right. So, Williamsport, Indiana. First of all, this guy's got seven thousand acres. He's no joke. He's got yeah. a ton of acres. And I have said this on the I have said this on the podcast multiple times. I do not care if you're a huge company. It's just how you use your money. But 7,000 acres is a lot. That is a lot <laughs> of ground. But I stand by that principle. I stand by it. As long as you're not, you know, as long as you're not being greedy and uh, power moving people out of their land or something, then that's fine. Uh, and not that I get to be the judge, I guess. So. <laughs> His 7,000 acres are 100% organic. But not only are they organic, they're 100% no-till. Yeah, Which means that's how the crazy. heck do you manage weeds? He does no-till. Uh, no he uses cover crops intercropping epigenetics which basically means you use the surroundings to help change the dna so actually if you let well not change the dna but that's what it ca said on Google. cause the dna to express differently if that makes sense oh okay no no, no. doesn't change your dna it it changes the effect of your genes at work yeah so right. like so so for instance sometimes in uh flowers like if you have a greenhouse this this could happen like maybe on the edge of the greenhouse during the winter time it gets like a little colder 
mm-hmm. but like more towards you know like sitting right under the heaters and stuff like that at night those those difference in environmental temperature might cause like a coloration difference or something yeah. or like you know some other physical trait difference in that that plant hmm. that'd be like epigenetics epigenetics well the more you know speaking of the more you know so here's the crazy thing this guy's corn what's normal corn i think iowa's average in 2021 maybe 2022 is 192 this guy was getting 140 bushel per acre and mm-hmm. you're like yikes how is he even making money he's losing so much money um he only has to get 40 to 50 to break even because he's put he's not putting anything yeah, on his field so he doesn't have any spraying inputs he uses way less fuel i imagine because he's going over away or he's not ca- calling in the co-op to come and do it um and 40 bushel beans at um and for beans I think beans guess are, how many beans he needs to i can't you already read it just go ahead I if you're listening I, I listen can't, i can't remember what it was guess in your head all right how many beans does he need to break even i think i forgot to say that question aloud <laughs> <laughs> how many beans does he need to break even nine whoa nine bushel of beans to break even per acre that is wild um break even includes paying himself at a rate of cost of living. So imagine probably paying himself at $50,000, $40,000 to $60,000 a year. But not only is he being able to pay himself that, he's double or tripling. No, he's quadrupling all those numbers. Mm-hmm. So not quite quadrupling the corn. That's wild. So not only is he making a good living off of this, he is being way better for the environment. But the article actually says he's adamant about people not copying his exact exact thing because they need to figure out what works well for the land. And that, we're reading it, is a guy who's connected to his land. That's what's really cool about it. Something else that uh, we were really poking fun of is who wrote the article. John Deere wrote the article. And what's interesting is if his model ends up taking over, that potentially would mean less products sold by John Deere. Well, maybe yes and no. If he's, you know... To, he still has to do some weed control. I imagine he probably uses like a roller crimper. Well, I don't mean how many implements is needed like per field. That probably breaks even. But think about if the United States does 30% less bushels of corn or beans per year, that's yeah. 30% less combines or at yeah. least, you know, 10 or 15% less combines. Yeah. And for, you know, John Deere, that's like $100 million well, unless, a year. Unless justification in the mind of the farmer to like need you know bigger and better equipment maybe as often you know, we also like, thought maybe john deere was poking at the other behemoth bear a little <laughs> bit just trying to get him in a war that's total conjecture right? yeah yeah total conjecture we were in an it, we were in a stakeholders meeting behind the scenes we were listening to them argue about yeah, it. Yeah, right. So. But no, yeah, it was it was a super interesting thing and to me the biggest part of that article is the 7000 acre part um, the one probably the number one ar- argument against everyone adopting you know some sort of this you know a semblance of those practices is yeah, but it's not scalable. You know what I mean? Like this is that only works on your little two hundred acre farm that you know you work you know to the bone year round trying to make it work. You know. 
Um, that's not something that we can feed a lot of people with, you know, with those practices just takes too much time. And I also wonder if he doesn't have employee, like a ton of employees walking beans or something. Yeah. Yeah. You, I was wondering that too, but he's clearly found a way. I mean, based on those numbers, he gave his break even numbers and then what his yields are. He's found a way to make it scalable. And, um, you know, I do I wonder. Got, I, I'd wonder what his, you know, it'd be neat to see his like soil sample results, you know, like oh, look yeah. at how a soil test would you be. You think they'd go way better? Yeah, I would imagine so using organic practices and, yeah. and, um, the intercropping. That was really interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder what kind of intercropping he does. Yep. So basically cropping with soybeans, letting, mm-hmm. having another I'm, plant grow. I'm also guessing that. that he does some grazing on it, you know. Oh, maybe. And, and maybe that. That helps with some of his acres, too. He does some kind of grazing rotation. You put enough goats out there before you put the soybeans down, ain't nothing coming up besides yeah, soybeans. Yeah, there, there might be something with that. I'm not sure. But but uh, it, it's, you know, it's really neat to see. And we should mention, too, in that article, if you can pull it up real quick, Nick, I'll, I'll talk to fill the dead space. But um, that guy does, like, consulting work. Um, you can uh, contact him. And pay him, you know, a couple hundred bucks if you own a farm and you want to. I bet it's more than that. No, it wasn't bad. It's like for an hour conversation, it's like 250 bucks or 300 bucks or something like that. Now, if you get him to like come to your farm or something, now that's going to be a pretty big price. But but uh, he'll do like, I think it's Zoom calls and stuff, if I remember correctly. Or I'm maybe, you know what? It. You know what? I, I found that when I went to his website. Oh, you went to his website. I went to his his, uh, farm's website. We should probably give this guy a shout out. Our good friend, Rick Clark. Rick Clark. Does it say the name of his farm there? Williamsport, Indiana Farm. Uh, I must have Googled him and found his website. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure on his website, he does uh, consulting work. So definitely, if you're listening to this and you're interested in doing something like that on, on some of your ground, and what I think is probably the best way to implement some of this and my wife and I were were trying to do some organic produce uh, on our on our property is to start small and like work your way in. You know, what yeah. I mean? find what works, find what you can handle, and um, yeah, you know. And then if there's so many benefits to trying to do that that way, you know, the way I kind of look at it is, remember in like math class, there'd be like the kid who like figured out his own way to get to the right answer. And it was a lot, it might be a lot faster, but it also might be a lot harder. Hmm. And, um, uh, you know, depending on which one it was, you both get to the right answer, but the amount of efficiency is what's different. Right. And this guy is like the kid who figured out his own way, how to do it. And it is faster than, you know, yeah. like counting on your fingers or, yeah. or whatever. We had one you know. of those guys in our class. Man, yeah. Ben, if you're out there, you're welcome to come back and still do my work again. I'll pay you more <laughs> this time. Nah, I'm kidding. Man, yeah, it, it was just interesting. It showed that it was possible. It also, it, it kind of like, it broke the box a little bit for us. Not that, I mean, everyone has a little bit of a box. And I would say we are also guilty of that. So we like to say like, oh, you like, big farms you probably also like 
John Deere and you probably also like killing the environment, you know, we don't say it explicitly and we'd probably tell you we don't think that, but sometimes I, I catch myself saying things. I'm like, Oh, I think I'm grouping things together. And this guy totally smashed that. Right. He was like, I do no till on 7,000 acres. I use John Deere and I'm very good for the earth. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. All organic. Yeah. Yeah. All organic. So I think that that's worth noting. Um, yep. And it, it it's leading to change. The fact that John Deere is willing to talk about it means yeah. people probably want to read big it. Big round of applause to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget, we are sponsored by Hoxie Native Seeds. Um, and if uh, ooh, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna ask your permission. I'm just gonna do it, guys. We're starting to lease out hunting on the farm. So if you are interested, go to our website and just give us a call. Uh, it's pretty it's a pretty cool time. Hundreds of acres of great uh, grassland uh, habitat, but very very limited spots. We are not uh, we're not full open fully for the whole season. Yep. We are working with sharing the land and have a big chunk of our season put aside for them. Um, but we do have we do have a few slots yep. available. So if you are interested, you give us a holler. All right. Till next time.